the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Getting ready to kick off hour number two on the Bob France Authority. I'm Rob Walgate, sitting in today for Bob, uh, Andrew, and Marcy are with me. We're having a lot of fun. Um, have, I, I spilled something, but I got it cleaned up quick, quickly, quickly. I'm no. sorry. I'm sorry. So we talked. We've been talking 2020. Um, what lies ahead? We've been talking about the presidency, and I'm going to make a shift. We're still going to stick on 2020. Um, but I'm going to make a shift because I think the presidency in a lot of ways can be a distraction because I think a game is in play, a big game is in play to where people around the country understand where the power is and where it comes from. And that's in the United States Senate. Um, my boss, Dave Zanotti, the CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, often calls it the most exclusive club in the world, the club of 100, the United States Senate. He will be joining us um, at the bottom of the hour to talk about some of that, to talk about um, cloture, Senate Rule 22, a lot of fun stuff. But before we get to him, we're going to talk about what it looks like in 2020, what states are up, what lies ahead, and how people are going to be on a big-time fight for control of the United States Senate. Um, Right now, currently in the Senate, 53 Republicans, 47 Democrats. Now, it's 45 Democrats, and there's two independents, but those independents, they caucus with the Democrats, and they vote always um, with the Democrats. Obviously, Bernie Sanders being one of them, and as was alluded to um, earlier by Andrew, you, you know, some of his plans, and I shake my head to get back to the presidency for one minute to think about Bernie. Bernie visited Northeast Ohio in 2016. I'll never forget, he visited Baldwin-Wallace College, Baldwin Wallace um, University. Now I think I believe it is, and uh, they packed packed the place for people to scream and yell and cheer. And I got to thinking, 
And did everyone in the building realize and understand that if Bernie was to win and his plans for higher education come to fruition, there would be no need for Baldwin Wallace any longer, Um, especially in the form that it is now. Um, He would do away with that when it comes to socialized education. You wouldn't have the ability or the setup and structure that it would be. I just found that fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but people still feel it. They cheered. Um, and unfortunately, they don't realize how how uh, blessed and great they have it to be able to make the decisions to go to places like that, to go to the school of their choice. And there's plenty of other opportunities and options uh, that we have in this country, whether it comes to state schools or community college or private colleges and state universities, so many, so many different opportunities are out there. But as we move towards 2020 and we take a look at the United States Senate currently, as I said, 5347 in favor of the Republicans, um, there are 34 races that will take place in 2020. Out of those, 22 are Republicans that need to defend or hold a seat and 12 are Democrats. Now, There are a few states where there are Republicans uh, retiring or stepping away, so that will be an open seat that people will be vying and fighting for. I think the biggest one to look at for an open seat, or one of the biggest ones, would be the state of Tennessee. There will be a lot of action and attention. Now, some people are saying, Rob, what are you talking about? There's no doubt that that's a safe Republican seat. Well, in, in many of these states, it's going to depend who declares and who comes out of the primary process on both sides, both sides of the equation. You may see this is the type of environment where someone could could come in and sneak through in somewhere where you wouldn't expect it. I mean, you know, I know there was instances and things that happened, but take a look at Alabama. I mean, Alabama currently has a senator that's a Democrat. If I would have told someone that five years ago, they would have laughed. They would have said there's no way that's possible. Now, there's reasons that it happened that way, but it happened. So anything is possible as we head into 2020 uh, on on what lies ahead or what names will appear on the ballot or, in other instances, what names will not appear on the ballot. The other thing that you'll have happening in 2020 is the presidential race. Will there be the um, opportunity for Donald Trump to, in essence, take someone on his coattails? For him to pull someone along with him, if he knows he can win a state that maybe has a Democrat senator incumbent, will he have the ability to pull a Republican challenger over the finish line? Or could it work in the opposite trend? Could it be a state to where there's a Republican set to defend and maybe there's enough people fired up and mad at the president that they say, you know what, we're not voting with anyone with an R next to their name? I don't. I don't see the Democrats doing it. I really don't. I really don't see the Democrats being able to pull this out with the shambles that they're in. They're they're just in shambles. They refuse to listen to the public opinion. They refuse to listen to what's in their best interest. And they listen to, like I said, superdelegates. And and that's what happened in 2016. Uh, the Republicans listened to the people. The Democrats didn't. The Republicans won. And I have a feeling that trend is going to continue going forward to 2020. Well, the question becomes is that if that's how they vote in the top of the ticket, what will happen as they move down the ticket? And I'll give you an example. In Ohio does not have a Senate race in 2020. We had one in 16. We had one in 18. In t- 2018, I mean, that's a perfect example. Will something like happened in Ohio happen in other states? 
you had Republicans sweep all of the statewide offices when it yeah. came to governor and AG and auditor and treasurer. You, the, the Republicans swept them all. But Sherrod Brown won his race as a Democrat for United States Senator. So there were a lot of folks that did vote for Republicans statewide in those positions, but said, hey, we're going to send Sherrod Brown back to Washington, D.C. And that's 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 what happened. So let's take a look at some of these states. Um, I think there's four states, uh, maybe a few more than that, in play um, on each side. Uh, you know, Alabama being one. That's one the Democrats know that the Republicans are likely to switch. The mess that happened a few years ago uh, is kind of cleaned up across the state, and, and Republicans will look to take control again of that seat in Alabama. That's one that, that is most likely to switch. I think the three states that could be wild cards, that could be uh, in play, that Republicans may spend, throw a little money at, are the states of Minnesota, New Hampshire, and Michigan. Those are those are three states that I that I think you're going to have to watch. You have a you have a senator in Minnesota, Tina Smith. She won a special election in 2018. She has to run again in 2020. And I, do I think someone's going to be sneak in in Minnesota and challenge her? I, I don't I don't know. It's going to be interesting as who runs with the R next to their name when it's all said and done. Who's on the ballot? But I do think people are paying a little more attention nationally to Minnesota. You have Amy Klobuchar trying to run for president of the United States. Um, People are going to be watching it. Therefore, the Republican challenger may be able to draw outside money and influence. You may have a visit visit or two from the president of the United States to help a campaign. I think it's one to watch. Um, The other one, uh, New New Hampshire. Um, In New Hampshire, Donald Trump only lost that state by a few thousand votes. Only a few thousand. Not, not a lot of people realize that. Now, it's not a ton of electoral votes, but can he switch those votes? And if he does switch those votes and bring those votes over to him, can he pull Can he pull someone along with him? Their senator in 2014, Senator Shaheen, she got 51% of the vote in 2014. So it's not unthinkable for her to lose a few percentage points based on New Hampshire, who's running against her as a Republican, Will Donald Trump have popularity in that state once again to get close or get over the top? The other one to watch, I think this is the one that Republicans will take a close, close look at, and it's just to our north, the state of Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Donald Trump pulled off what many consider a very big upset in the state of Michigan in 2016. Um, a couple questions is, number one, can he pull off that upset Again in 2020. And in 2020, uh, the junior senator is running for re-election in Michigan, Gary Peters. And he's kind of more of the unknown senator from the state. Doesn't seem to be extremely popular. So could someone on the Republican side, could Donald Trump pull someone along and say, hey, come with me. I'm going to show up there. He's going to be in Michigan a lot anyway because he wants to make sure. If there's one thing about Donald Trump we know is – he doesn't like to lose. <laughs> and since he won Michigan once, he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that he wins it again because he sees that as being part of his 270 path to get back to the White House. That's part of the 270 that he has drawn in there that he wants to make sure he wins Michigan. And can he pull someone along? You know, John James, someone that ran for Senate in the state of Michigan in 2018, someone who has 
I mean, when you look at the story of John James, when you look at the story of where he came from, he served the country. So many wonderful things about him, and he became well-known. I shouldn't say well-known. He became more known in 2018 as he ran. Will he go again in 2020? Will he be the person that's on the ballot for the Republicans in the Senate race? And can Donald Trump um, help in that campaign to bring bring people to support him? And will more people turn out in 2020 and say, hey, hey, we need this to be done? I mean, the Democrats have a lot of, or they don't have a lot of seats. I'm sorry. The Democrats do not have a lot of seats to defend. They only have 12 to defend. 12 of the 34, that's all they have to defend in 2020. But of those 12, many of them, many of them are considered safe. So those are the ones that I've looked at and um, others have looked at and said, said it may be somewhere where Republicans throw a little bit of money in the beginning. Um, it may be somewhere where they want to uh, kind of take a look at and, hey, is it possible? I mean, some other people may say, well, why don't you uh, why don't you take a look at New Mexico? You have an incumbent there that's not going to run for re-election. I think that'll be a tougher tougher challenge as well as Virginia. Um, I think you know um, you have Mark Warner in Virginia, who won, uh, who's won all of his races for the United States Senate. I won't say easily, but um, he's been in control of them, and I think that's a state that the Democrats are counting on. But those states, New Hampshire, Minnesota, Michigan, and Alabama, are four states to take a look at and watch. As we head closer, when we get back after the break, we're going to dive in and take a look at the key states that the Republicans are going to need to defend and why are they going to need to defend those states and is there someone that's up and coming that could take one of those seats away? Because, I, I, folks, I, I have a thought. I have a little bit of a theory. The Democrats want this presidential election to start in June. I think the reason they want it to start in June, one of the reasons, is because they want to draw it out and make sure they get control of the Senate And all these topics and issues are talked about for the next 15, 16 months. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, Rob Walgate in the chair for Bob France on this Monday morning. And we've been talking about Senate 2020. We've been talking about the presidency. We talked a little bit of a little bit of everything. If you want to join in the conversation, 216-901-0945. At the bottom of the hour, Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, will be joining me to um, further this discussion. I know he has some thoughts. He has some things that he wants to bring into play and discuss. And, um, you know, hopefully I've been doing an adequate job today because um, he is my boss. Um, I <laughs> want to make sure the boss gets on the show. We're nice to the boss and, and, and all goes well. And I haven't messed up things um, too badly for when I leave the studio and, and, and I go to work. That's one of the unique and great things that he and I get to do is we get the opportunity all across the country is to fill in and host on wonderful talk programs such as this one. Uh, We're very thankful for the work that Bob does. We're thankful for his listeners because we know Bob's out there telling the truth. We know Bob does his homework and he's advocating for others to become educated on the issues that he feels so passionately about. And, um, 
I've seen Bob have passion one one or two times. I, I can feel it in the car when I'm driving and listening. I think we've all <laughs> felt it. We have. But let's jump back in quickly before we get to another break. Um, and talk. We were talking about U.S. Senate races 2020. We are talking about what Democrats have to defend and what Republicans have to defend. 34 seats up in the 2020 election in the United States Senate. Republicans have to defend 22 of them. A number of them are safe seats. A number of them they probably won't have to worry about. But there are a few that, that there, there's some concern about. Remember, right now they have a 53-47 majority in the United States Senate. And that matters. It matters because that's where a lot of work's done. And um, they want to make sure they hold on to to a majority, keep that 51-49. Now, if a Republican is in the White House, remember the president of the Senate is the vice president of the United States. So if there would be... Um, a 50-50 tie on in the United States Senate, the vice president would be the tiebreaker that makes that up. And it matters for a number of things. So the Republican side, Arizona, you have Martha McSally, who is currently serving. She's serving to fill out um, Senator McCain's seat. There is a special election in 2020, and the Democrats are going to go after that seat um, they're going to go after it hard. They want that seat. Remember, Martha McSally just ran in the 2018 United States Senate election. She lost to Kristen Sinema. So she's holding a seat in the United States Senate. She's going to have to run against Mark Kelly. He's an astronaut and a Navy veteran. He's the husband of Congressman, former Congressman Gabby Giffords from Arizona, who was, who was shot a number of years ago. Um, so Mark Kelly, he, he, he wants that seat. The Democrats want that seat. They're going to be going after it hard. Another place is Colorado. Donald Trump did not win Colorado in 2016. Cory Gardner is a Republican incumbent serving in the United States Senate from Colorado. The Democrats want that seat as well, and they are going to go hard and spend a lot of money to ensure that they have a shot at winning that seat. Now, Donald Trump didn't win in 2016 in Colorado. Cory Gardner has um, stood by the president, supports the president. We know in some of these Senate races, senators don't always stand um, arm in arm with the president, not knowing what what's going to happen and what's what's going to take place. So they kind of keep him at a bit of a distance. But Cory Gardner hasn't been that way. He's been standing with the president. Um, Susan Collins, she is serving her fourth term representing Maine. I know what you're thinking: a Republican winning that many terms in Maine. <laughs> will she run for a fifth? She most likely will, but some people think that she is vulnerable because she voted for Bre- or because of the whole Kavanaugh situation. Everything that happened um, in that situation, they think that she she could be vulnerable uh, because of that. And that also brings us to another question. This is something we're going to discuss with Dave, and that is the Supreme Court and how it plays into these Senate races and what happens regarding the Supreme Court um, as we head deeper into 2019 in the early part of 2020. Tom Tillis, North Carolina. Um, right now, I think that seat is a safe seat, although North Carolina has had some problems of, of late with um, what's happening in Republican Party politics throughout the state, number one. Number two, they've had a congressional seat that's going to go up for a re-election. Um, the, the people are... People have to have are going to vote again because of some things that took place in the congressional district. They've had some troubles. Tom Tillis uh, is serving that state admirably, according to a number of folks, and, and according to us as we've watched from around the country. But it's going to be a fight, and the Democrats want that seat. Those are four. 
Those are four. Now you can also look at Johnny Erst in Iowa, David Perdue in Georgia. There's going to be a number that the Democrats go after hard because they want they want to see that majority go back to the Democrats in the United States Senate. So it's going to be something interesting to watch it play out over the next 15 or 16 months. When we come back after the break, um, we're going to have Dave Zanotti join us, and we're going to go a little deeper in this discussion of the Senate, the United States Senate, as we head towards 2020. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Rob Walgate sitting in today. And Andrew, we got a, we have a couple couple, uh, couple segments left. Only a couple more. It's oh. been, a, been a very good show. I like oh, it. We're having fun. We're having fun. We're keeping everything. Uh, again, we haven't, we haven't broke anything as of, as of yet. So, um, But we've been talking, spilled a few things, but nothing broken. Um, We've been talking about 2020. We've been talking the presidential election. We've been talking the Senate election and what lies ahead. And um, there's been so much attention that's been been given uh, to all of this. And we wanted to dive in and break it down and do the back end, do the homework. And, and so that's what we've been discussing. And joining us to talk about all this is Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. And um, let's see if I... Uh, Am I hitting the wrong button? Am I hitting the right button? Hi, Rob. Hey, Dave. How are you? I I, I hit the wrong button four times, but we got we got it working. It appears. <laughs> we don't want to talk about how many times I hit the wrong buttons when I do the guest host routine. So I appreciate that. <laughs> well, no, I'll thanks for more people. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to join us. We've been having a discussion today about 2020 and the United States Senate and what lies ahead as it as it pertains to control and. How important really is it for one party or the other to have control of the Senate? Well, you made an interesting point earlier. By the way, what kind of coffee do you have in the studio today? Are you uh, consuming or are you, are, are you in the no-spill zone right now? Well, I have actually a bottle of water that I made sure has the the, the cap so tight that I think I could throw it against the wall um, <laughs> and it's not going to bust. I may have had a little drip or two earlier, but yeah, no, no, I downed all the coffee before I walked in. For those listening at home, the biggest problem you have when you guest host on any show is, are you going to spill your coffee in the studio somewhere? Uh, so we all have developed, thank God, for certain companies that have come out, which will remain unnamed, since Bob already has plenty of sponsors on the show, uh, that have lockable lids, because that's where we live, in yes. the tippy cup zone. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, first off, before we go anywhere else, I want to tell you how important Bob Francis' radio program is to the nation from a historical perspective. Um, of course, I've had the privilege of growing up and, and uh, in Greater Cleveland, and as everyone knows, our national headquarters is actually the groundbreaking for that national headquarters is about to happen this July 4th in Valley City. Uh, and so we have a network of, of operations and studios that stretch from the Great Lakes to the Florida Keys, right down the center of the country, kind of a, uh, a spine, if you will, or a, a place where people can plug in and our program, the Public Square, branches out from that network that goes right down the center of the country. And we had a choice. We could have put the headquarters anywhere. We could have put it in Nashville, where I'm talking to you from right now, where we have an office, or Orlando, where we have an office. 
But we chose not for sentimentality, but for strategy to put the office right in the heartbeat of it all, uh, right in Valley City, because uh, your program that people are listening to right now and the voters who stretch from Toledo uh, to the to just to the end of that border, and I'll have to admit even into western Pennsylvania, and all the way down to Route 30, uh, and now stretching even to Columbus, from Columbus to Cleveland to Toledo to Pittsburgh, is one of, if not the most important zones of political leadership and electoral politics in the history of our country. The leaders that have come from this zone, as well as how people have voted, have determined outcomes for years. And what's ironic is when you go to Washington, D.C., everybody thinks they're important. I mean, the taxi cab drivers think they make history every day. And uh, yet the people who do make history every day, the people who live in what's called the political golden zone that I just described, in Ohio and Western There's more money spent there than anywhere else. Yeah. They've been making history for generations there, and they don't even know it simply by showing up and voting. So to have a radio program of this quality, with this signal strength, and with the general hosting that Bob does every single day that is simply outstanding, and the leadership that he provides and the insight is very, very important. So we take Bob's show very seriously. That's one of the reasons why we're glad that you get the opportunity to, to step in and guest host when Bob can't be there. So this is a very important audience. It's not just an important station. It's not just an important host. It's a very important audience. Uh, because people in Ohio do stuff. They make stuff. And they know people everywhere that make a difference. So what's happening right here, this conversation is not isolated to say, well, yeah, I want to talk about the Senate's good, but we got Sherrod Brown. Okay. <laughs> I get that. By the way, if, if you ask most Ohioans who their other senator is, they won't be able to tell you because he's invisible. Yeah. Ohio always manages to get one invisible senator. It's remarkable. But we have one. I think we have Mr. Invisibility in the United States Senate. I'm not even going to mention his name and ruin his reputation. Okay. So there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people doing some duck, duck, go searches right now looking to see who that senator is. Look, I understand that people don't know who their member of Congress is or who their state rep and state senate. That hasn't changed. We've been in business for 40 years. And people say they care about America. They're, they're, you know, they want their country back, and they get all you know, exercised. And I'm grateful for all their passion. And you ask them, okay, well, who is your member of Congress of the House, and who is your state rep and state senator? And they have absolutely no clue. <laughs> well, you, look, it, that's the problem. What? You know, passion. Everybody's got an opinion. That's fine. And passion is wonderful. But if you don't know how the game is played and you're not involved in selecting leaders to represent you in this constitutional republic, and you're not actively engaged in how to street strategically do this, we spend more time on our bowling leagues and our softball leagues than we do picking members of the House and the Senate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got to change. That simply has to change. That is the one thing we can all do better and help other people do better, no matter where they live. So the Senate, the Let's, Senate is the game. And, and speaking of that, my, my question for you is, is will the Senate get anything, anything done? The Democrats are starting debates in June. Will they get anything done before the 2020 election? Well, of course not. <laughs> Why would they do that? Um, it's not relevant. They love working in the dark. They're the club of 100. They have a set of rules that are outside the Constitution that have controlled this country for at least the last 64 years, at least the last 64 years. 
Uh, and the rules have been around since the early 1900s. The rule is called cloture. It started in the era of Woodrow Wilson. And the greatest irony of it all is while all of these people are out there yelling and shouting that they want popular vote uh, to determine <laughs> yeah. uh, the presidency, uh, a simple majority, which is nowhere in the Constitution. The Constitution specifically not only prohibits it, but sets up an establishment to make sure that it doesn't happen, where a simple majority was the presumption of law of the Constitution. The United States Senate requires a supermajority. And we deal with that every single election cycle, but it seems like it's not talked about. I mean, no no one understands it. Because it takes homework. Yeah, it takes homework. And, and, you know, we have the, you and I have the privilege of, of, uh, of doing this stuff for a living. I'm doing it for 40 years. So we're supposed to know more than other people. It doesn't make us smarter than other people. And sometimes it sounds like we think we're smarter. No, we just, we just have to do the homework. And we, and when you do the homework, you discover that the United States Senate, since all the way back in the time of Woodrow Wilson, has been running a scam on the American public. They have had a supermajority cloture rule, in effect, that requires that you have at least 60 members of the Senate, it used to be more, at least 60 members of the Senate before to vote to bring a measure up for a vote before there can be any vote. So in other words, they have a supermajority veto power on any idea brought to them by the House or any idea initiated by one of their members. They have the ability to veto it without ever technically voting on the measure and getting away with it and dictating their will against the American people, against the wishes of the voters, with the supermajority program, which is not in the Constitution and, in fact, defies the intention of how Article Three was established. It's called cloture. So that if we want to get a vote on the balanced budget amendment, we want to get a, ba- a vote on a life issue, or we want to get a vote on on any measure whatsoever, on anything regarding immigration or national security, the United States Senate requires a super majority of 60 votes before the measure can be brought to a vote. So members of Congress, these invisible members of the Senate, can walk around and say, I support your measure, but then they don't vote for cloture. Well, they didn't vote against your measure, they voted against cloture, so they can actually be one thing and say another, and say one thing and do another. That's why people it, like Mitt Romney thrive in an environment like that. And the last time that there was a 60-40 balance of power, was it not? Was it that in 2009 when we had Obamacare that was passed, correct? Yes, yeah, statistically, you've only had, since 1955, nine times the Senate has switched control, D to R, R to D, since 1955. But only 14 of those 64 years did a majority party have 60-plus votes in the Senate, where, like in, 19, in 2009, the uh, Democrats had the House, they had, they had enough votes in the Senate to get a supermajority, and they had the presidency. Now, it, it sometimes doesn't require that they, all those members be in your party to get to the supermajority, because you have people like Susan Collins and Mitt Romney and others, and for years John McCain, who are Republicans in name only, and who simply will do what the progressive left demands because they agree with the progressive left. Uh, now, it's interesting is you have virtually none of those on the progressive left Democrat team. It's fascinating. The progressives mark in total, march in total lockstep when it comes to cloture in the U.S. Senate, but the Republicans almost always have three, four, five members in play who will go play with their progressive friends and do what the Democrats want 
uh, in regards to votes like cloture. And that's where cloture is particularly powerful. Now, some people listening may say, well, wait a minute. Democrats didn't vote to get to 60 to help the Republicans on Supreme Court nomination. So how does that work? Because, uh, I mean, there clearly wasn't 60 people that supported uh, Brett Kavanaugh, his nomination moving forward. Well, that's that's the whole you know the, the whole misnomer of the nuclear option, and I want to be careful on your break clock. Do you have, you have, you have we're, we're good for we're good we're good for all. we're going to go for a bit, and then we'll you and I will cut here okay. in a few minutes, and we'll come I'll all come right. back. Yeah, we're good. All right. Okay. So um, the uh, that whole discussion uh, is, is it comes under the term of nuclear option, where where just to show you how stupid the elite club of one hundred thinks all the rest of us are. Um, and, of course, we're not stupid. We're just really busy paying the taxes they lay upon us. And so it doesn't make for a lot of time to uh, do a lot of the heavy lifting in the research because this stuff is honestly not easy to get to. You have to spend some time looking for it. Um, and, but they also know that we do spend a lot of time enjoying the luxuries of liberty and so that we expect them just to. It, it's, a crazy, it's a crazy dysfunctional codependency we have with our government right now. But in any case, it, it has been a long time. Um, since there has even been a whiff of a conservative supermajority potential. There have always been people who have played to the other side. And your question again was what? <laughs> when it comes to the Supreme Court, 60 don't support that. So That's the nuclear option. A few years ago, the Democrats, in their frustration, said, well, what we're going to do is go ahead and change this as it regards to right. um Supreme Court nominations. We'll let simple majority rule on, on Supreme Court nominations, not on all judicial appointments, but on Supreme Court nominations. So they so they, they, they played the game, right? They, they carved it out, and then the Republicans came back and said, "That's fine. Since you've established the precedent, then therefore this is internal Senate rule, and what we have the power. It no longer applies to Supreme Court nominations. Wow, so you they, can get a Supreme Court justice by a simple majority. Isn't that ironic? Though? Again, the Democrat progressive left calls for." a simple majority vote for the presidency, which is specifically prohibited by the Constitution, but will not permit the American people a simple majority vote in the Senate, which wow. is prescribed yeah. and presumed, presumed in, because there are certain places in the Constitution that specifically call for supermajority votes in Article Three, and the balance do not. Therefore, the presumption of law is it's not necessary. So they stepped up and made their own rules to stay in control. So what that basically means is there's only a, half, a handful of powerful brokers in the Senate who determine what will and will not reach a vote. That siphon of power is despicable, and it has done a great amount of damage to our country. Yeah, it, hurt, it hurts the American people. Well, we'll close on this question. I'll leave you with this. If something were to happen, I'm not asking for something to happen, but if something were to happen and there would be another need another vacancy on the United States Supreme Court, and it was to happen in the next month, do you feel that Donald Trump would get a nominate, nominee through before the 2020 election? Even the Republicans have control, but do you think... Only in the, only, only in the month of May, and uh, since it can't happen that fast, no, because I think that the Democrats, by starting their primaries early, for the presidency, have frozen the court process. They will claim that the presidential election has begun, the debates have begun, and turnabout is fair play, since McConnell wouldn't let Obama have his last appointment because it was too close to election. Once election starts, this is the new precedent now, and they'll blame the Republicans. And, of course, the majority of media will uh, will rally to that cause and, in essence, freeze the court, which means that 
the United States Senate will be as important as the presidency in the 2020 election, because not only will the next president nominate an empty seat or two, the next Senate will be forced to confirm, and that's a simple majority, and so that number becomes very critical. Yeah, and what we're saying, too, I know some people are listening and saying, wait a minute, the Republicans have the majority now, but when you have people like Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and Lamar Alexander and, and, and a number of others, they, and may, Mitt Romney and Mitt and others, Romney, right. they may say, we're not going to vote for it. We'll let the voters decide. We're going to hold off on doing that. I think that's a very, very real possibility you bring up. So, And the key is, that, and I know we got to run, the key is on those Republicans in name only, and I'm a registered independent and have been since 1998. You can check my voting record in Cuyahoga County if you want. And you'll find that the last primary that I voted in was in 1998, and I voted as a Democrat because I wanted Pat Sweeney to be the United States, or the uh, state senator in my district because he was pro-school choice, and we helped bring the school choice plan out. Uh, at the round table. And so we were looking for all the school choice members of the Ohio House we could. See, you can be a free agent. You can vote for people who believe what you believe in in specific races. You don't have to be owned by anybody. So I'm a registered independent. Therefore, both political parties hate me equally. And by implication, they hate the work that you do and I do together at the round table. But we don't care because I'd rather be right on the Constitution and in line with our history than to play the game with these political parties because, in essence, they have exploited us, and we have let it happen. We have adopted a philosophy if we give it the office, and the parties take it from there, and they are the ones who have destroyed this country with our consent. No no doubt. Well, thank you for taking the time, Dave, to come on and, uh, and join me. I will be talking to you, actually, here in a little bit. So thanks for everything. Yes, we'll be back in studio shortly for the public square. Back in yeah. studio for the thanks. public square. So, hey, thanks. I will thanks, talk bro. to you soon. All right. That was Dave Zanotti, CEO of the American Policy Roundtable. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and close the program. We've had a fun couple hours with all of you. You're listening to the Bob France Authority on 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. He was a Midwestern boy on his own. Welcome back to the Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer and Andrew, we we've we've almost made it. A couple more minutes. We're, we're getting right cl- there. We're we're getting we're getting close. And as we're getting close to the end, um, you, you're handing me stuff. You're bringing me things, and there's breaking news all all over the place. We have um, uh, things that we don't have time to get in. But the Trump Organization sues the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, to block a subpoena of Donald Trump of Trump's financial records. So he's suing Elijah Cummings. So that, that ought to be fun. This is going to be fun um, afternoon reading to take place. So that's out there. Um, I'm sure no one will gravitate towards that. Elizabeth Warren, she's making news. She just blogged a little bit ago um, a proposal aimed at alleviating the student loan debt crisis by largely eliminating obligations together. She would like to cancel $50,000 in student debt for individuals with household incomes below $100,000. There are about 42 million people. American households with higher incomes, up to $250,000, would also see some of their debt written off as well. The $50,000 cancellation amount would phase out by a dollar for every $3 in income above $100,000. Absolutely amazing. I, 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 you know, and that's one thing. As Dave mentioned in, in that segment, we thank him for calling and taking part in the program. He brings so much information and knowledge 
um, to the show and to all the listeners. That's that. That's one of the things we look at when we talk about being nonpartisan. Is we get on Republicans and Democrats for the amount of money that they spend because it's our money. We the people. Yep. It's ours and and it's spent. And here's here's a situation where Elizabeth Warren wants to spend more of our money to pay off people's debts. And I know there's a lot of people saying, but those are broke, poor college students. And well, I'm going to tell you something. We've made a mistake in this country for the past 25, 30 years telling people the only way you're going to make it in life is to go into four years of major debt and go to college. That's the only way you're going to make it. And we lied to kids. And we lied to kids. And now we have generations of kids that are saddled with student loan debt because we told them that's what you need to do to be successful. That's not what you need to do to be successful. It's not. And that's coming from a guy that failed out of three different colleges. So um, I may be a little um, tainted when it comes to that higher education experience, but that's a fact. I mean, we've told these kids, this is what you must, must do. They're doing it. They're signing their lives away at 18, 19 years old. They're signing away these large for these large sums of money, and then they're saddled with debt for years and years and years. So what's the best way to help them in the process? Oh, just don't let them pay it. So what happens then to the people then that that can't pay their mortgage? We're gonna their debt as well. I mean, at what point um, do we have to say, all right, let's look in the mirror and say, what can I do? What can I do to help the situation? It's going to take a lot of hard work, and sometimes it's not going to be fun. But we've told kids for so long the only way to make it, the only way to make it is to saddle yourself with that debt and that that just oh that drives me that drives me crazy um it's been a fun two hours it has one thing we didn't dive in and talk about is um that i do want to hit on briefly is is the awful awful news that came out of sri lanka yesterday morning such a tragedy um there's evil in this world there's bad people in this world we're taught to overcome evil we have to we have to be doing good so I encourage those to continue to do that. We're praying for those people, and um, we're commanded to love our neighbor, and, and we have to do a better job, a better job at doing that. Thanks to Bob France for asking me to fill in. Thanks to Andrew and Marcy for all your help. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.